Welcome to People of Hope, a conversation on finding joy in all things with the pastoral staff of Ignatius House Jesuit Retreat Center in Atlanta, Georgia. This short-form episode shares only the introductory remarks for our topic this week. For the full conversation, check this podcast feed or visit ignatiushouse.org slash peopleofhope. Let's begin. Participating in our conversation is Father Joe Lingen, who is on staff at Ignatius House, and Kathy Spornick, our dear friend and former director of development at Ignatius House. Our topic this evening is finding joy in the midst of grief. As a minister, I have accompanied those in grief, and perhaps you have too. But things are different when we find ourselves in the midst of our own grief of a significant loss of a loved one, a life expectation, and even a job. Kathy is going to take the lead with some of her own remarks from her own experience, but I've asked Joe to first open us with a prayer. Thank you, Andy. Good evening, everyone, and welcome. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, your love brings us to birth. Your providence guides our life and your command, we return to dust. Lord, those who die still live in your presence. Their lives change, but do not end. We pray and hope for our friends and loved ones who have died. We pray in gratitude for the gift that was their life and the gift of their love and friendship, which endures. In company with Christ who died and now lives, may our departed loved ones rejoice in your kingdom where all our grief will be believed, unite us together again in one family to offer you our praise forever. Amen. Amen. Kathy? Thanks, Father Joe. Hi, everyone. Uh, It's really good to be with you tonight. Uh, Thank you especially to Maria for the invitation to to come share with you. If you recognize my name at Andy's introduction, you might also remember that while I was at Ignatius House, my husband Chuck died very suddenly one evening while he was out with our son Nicholas. Um, Tonight's topic is joy, but I thought it might be helpful to you if I just shared a little bit about my grief journey. I might make my comments about joy make a little more sense. Um, Chuck and I were married for 36 years. It was a beautiful, messy, exquisite, lovely marriage. We have two children, Nicholas and Anna, both grown. Um, We had a lot of plans. Um, He had just uh, retired from Emory after 30 plus years. And our big celebration of that was a trip to Italy. Um, little did we know when we came home that we would only have eight short months together. Um, we had just returned in May of 2018 from celebrating Nicholas's graduation from medical school. And it was just like any other day. I went to work. Uh, I said, have fun tonight. He was going out to a game with Nick. I love you. And I never saw him again. He died from a heart attack that night. It was just not supposed to happen. For those of you who who knew me, who knew Chuck, he was annoyingly healthy. 
Um, I never thought he would predecease me. And I'm sure the shock and the suddenness of it added to my grief. It really felt like I was being ripped apart. And the last two years have been pretty excruciating at times. Um, those of you on this call or listening even later, you know if you've lost someone you love, what that pain of, of grief is. But I, I was completely unprepared for the intensity of it, for um, just the, the strength of the grief. I felt pretty crippled and raw most of the time. Um, but I, I functioned really well, but I was still really hurting. Um, I can tell you that through it all, though, um, I do remember just this extreme closeness to God. It was constant. I, I really felt like there was the sheer force of the grief and the pain um, created this pathway right into um, divine presence. And um, I felt Chuck's presence with me all the time. And I, and I think that was evidenced by our love for one another. You know, we we had done everything right, if you will. Um, we had become one uh, in our marriage. And I had a hard time in the beginning reconciling how God would, you know, make us one and then require us to be separated. Um, I think I've come to understand that what is forged in God's spirit remains um, the grief, though, and the searing pain of it went on for really the first year. Um, and then I started to see these little glimmers of joy and happiness. And I can tell you that I was not ready for that. I really, I wouldn't allow myself to give into it. I just wasn't ready. It didn't seem right to me in many ways. Um, and, and trust me when I say there is no right or wrong way to grieve, and, and I'm not suggesting there is. I'm just trying to express my own experience of the things I felt and, and thought. But God held me very close through all this, and I felt like I was in the recesses of God's heart. I felt very safe to allow the fullness of the grief to come into my life. As I look back now, you know, there were subtle and very gentle nudges of joy, of invitations to it, um, and my head was shaking no. Um, I now see that I just wasn't ready. So each time joy presented itself to me and I said, you know, not yet, um, I still felt held in God's arms. I didn't feel like I was doing anything wrong, um, but it does seem like I just needed time. So this whole idea, this new phase of grief with these glimmers of joy popping into my life were really affirmed by a remarkable homily that was given to us by Father Tim at St. Thomas More on Easter Sunday. Um, Father Tim quoted St. John of the Cross's words, where there is no love, put love and you will draw out love. Now, Father Tim substituted the word joy for love. And he said that when um, when you've been in a period of time, a long period of time of suffering, of despair, of misery, that it just takes time to allow joy to come back into your life. Now, he was speaking, of course, about 
um, the pandemic and the lockdown and the great losses people are having. But for me, the message was God calling me again to joy. Um, I don't think there is any clock or timeline for grieving or for allowing joy back. But for me, remaining open to this possibility gave me some hope. So Father Tim even used the words that we were invited into the possibility of empowering joy. And um, this really blew things open for me because I had never thought of joy as power or empowering. I had always thought of joy as a happiness, a comfort, a divine invitation, but never power. So I began to pay very close attention to this. My Ignatian formation, um, you know, really teaches me to um, be very attentive to these things that shimmer, that catch my heart's attention. And I began to pray um, because joy and hope are inextricably joined for me. And I began to pray with these words. I really had a hard time struggling very much in my prayer time with how could I, um, how could I possibly have a joyful or a good or content life without the love of my life? How could I even form these words that my life could be good without Chuck? Um, I would say grace and mercy prevail and God very gently and with great constancy um, placed these invitations before me. The truth of the matter is that my understanding of joy and my experience of joy are just not the same. You know, what I think joy is and then how I enter into it and experience it are just two different things. So I saw indeed that it takes time, and I know that might sound trite, but it's not. It really does take time to allow joy back. And it doesn't displace the grief or the memory any more than grief displaces love. Um, they're just not mutually exclusive things. And I've recognized the subtlety of joy and understood what it means to allow it back. So it's taking time. Um, I began to pray with how do I put joy, if you will, to St. John of the Cross's words. And I began to ponder some of this in my prayer time, and I asked God to bring it to my memory. Um, and the very first remembrance was creation. For me, being outside, um, the beauty of creation just brings me a great deal of joy. So very intentionally and purposefully, I began doing this um, every day. Of course, sometimes it intensifies the grief and I would weep at the joy uh, because when you have joy, you want to share it. Uh, and so it does, it does, you know, bring some tears. I just didn't think it was possible to have joy. I can't, I can't even express this enough to you. I did not think it was remotely possible that I would ever have it again. So I tread softly, I would say, um, I ask for the grace and the mystery of joy to return. I don't try to create it or manufacture it. Um, I, I want to see it for what it is, but I really want to be open to where it already exists. Um, I'm very drawn to the scene with Jesus and Thomas, where Jesus invites Thomas to put his hands into the wounds, Jesus's wounds in his palms and in his side. And what 
touches me about this scene is that, first of all, Jesus had visible wounds. And even after only a few days after his crucifixion, he didn't feel any pain anymore. And so, because who would invite someone to touch a wound so fresh and so raw if it was going to cause additional pain? And so I would say the wounds of my grief are definitely um, part of my story. As time progresses, though, um, they just don't cause me as much pain as they did in the beginning. And I've really begun to wonder in my prayer time if joy and hope are actually the bomb um, to soothe the wounds of grief, um, even though it felt very odd to be reaching out to joy when I was hurting. But I do think this is the reason why Jesus continues to call me to allow it to come back into my life. Those who know me um, know that the wounds are there. Um, they certainly know that they have transformed me and changed me. But, um, but part of my story now. Thanks for listening. Learn more about Ignatius House by visiting us at ignatiushouse.org or following us on social media. And be sure to subscribe to this wherever you listen to podcasts. May the blessing of God be with you always.